And, you know, when I think about Christmas in 2020, Christmas in 2020 is going to look different than Christmas in 2019 and 2018 and 2017, right? And when we think about Christmas in 2020, there's a lot of things that people are coming into complaining about. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of things that people are coming into this Christmas season. We're just, let's just be real, we're not doing well. We're not doing well. Um, but there's other things I know about Christmas season, and not in 2020. I'm talking Christmas in 2019 and 2018, where there are people who just dread the Christmas season. Amen? Uh, you know, I, you don't like all of the hubbub of the uh, Christmas work parties and the gatherings of all the different peoples and I have to buy gifts for this person and this person and this person and this person and I have to be at this service and this service and this service and I have to do this and I have to dress up like this and I have to bake this and I have to cook this. I mean, this is Christmas every year, is it not? And we try to make ourselves feel better by saying we have to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season, and yet it never actually changes anything about what we do. We just get so caught up in our traditions and how we do Christmas that we go, yes, Jesus is the reason for the season, but I'm still going to get bogged down with all of my engagements. Well, Christmas in 2020 is going to look different. And Christmas in 2020 is something that a lot of people are complaining about. But, you know, I think there's a reason why a lot of people are complaining about Christmas in 2020. And so um, and I was doing some research this week. One of the things that I came across was this government research study that was done in the month of June. And here's some statistics that were done about the month of June, in the month of June, about our country. The number of people suffering from anxiety disorders in America nearly tripled from 2019 to 2020. 10% of people either increased or picked up the use of illicit drugs and alcohol this year. Suicidal thoughts nearly doubled from 2018 to 2020. We have a problem. You know, there, there has been this term that's kind of being used in, in a lot of different places right now is that we have a mental health pandemic as a result of a pandemic that we are struggling so hard mentally that we can't even navigate life. And I mean, many of us in this room should be willing to admit that you've had some really rough mental days within this past year. Even yesterday evening, I, you know, I was doing fine. So Julie woke up grumpy, 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 and uh, it's just the reality of it. You know, she would willingly admit it, and so it's okay that I talk like this in front of you. Um, because she would, she'd be like, yeah, I woke up grumpy. She woke up grumpy, and I kind of carried the attitude through the day, if that makes sense, of trying to be positive, trying to keep us on track, trying to keep us doing well. And then about 3.30 hit, and I was like, I'm done. And if, you know, if you've ever been in this moment where it's like you, you've pushed to the point where you're just like, you know what, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. And it's not even explainable, right? It's not like a circumstance changed. It's not like something happened, but just out of nowhere, your entire mentality has shifted and you can't explain it. We have a mental health problem in our country. But with all of these things taking place in our, oh man, I'm not even, 
Let's just be real. We have all of those statistics, right, about, about fear, anxiety, right? We have all of these statistics about suicidal thoughts, about drug use, and that's specifically uh, regarding our, what we've just referred to the pandemic, but there's also uh, been political turmoil in our country, right? Let's just, let's just pile it on that literally 2020 has been a year of just smack you in the face, we have an unhealthy fear problem. You know, fear is, I mean, Jesus says all the time, all the time, like, do not fear. The Bible says do not fear more than any other command in the scriptures. Now, listen, that does not mean that fear is always a bad thing. You should have a healthy fear of God. You should have a healthy fear of situations that you go, I shouldn't walk into that. You should have a healthy fear of temptation. You know what? I'm just going to walk by the strip club. I'm not going to go in. No, don't go near it. Don't go near it. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk down that liquor aisle. No, you know what your problem is. Don't go down that aisle. Avoid it. You should have a healthy fear of temptation. You should have a healthy fear of danger. But we have an unhealthy fear problem, right? We fear the unknown. We, we, if you're the donut aisle, we have, an, we have an unhealthy fear where we are afraid of circumstances that haven't even happened. We're so afraid. So we have an unhealthy fear problem. We have a loneliness problem. We have a hopelessness problem. Why are suicidal thoughts, why have they jumped in two years? Because people are feeling hopeless. People feel disconnected. People feel lonely. People feel afraid. But all of these problems, all of these issues that we have were addressed with one simple gift that was given 2,000 years ago. And now listen, I am, not, I am not the pastor who says, stop taking your medicine. No, you take your medicine because Jesus uses modern medicine to bring healing to people. I am not a pastor who says, you don't need counseling, you need Jesus. No, you need both. You need both. Jesus uses the things of this world to do his work at times. And guess what? It's still Jesus doing it. It's still Jesus who helped me get my blood pressure down when I had to take lisinopril for a few years because I was so stressed out. It was both. Listen, <laughs> don't, don't ever use me as your excuse to stop your medication. You talk with your doctor. You start exercising and then talk with your doctor and maybe just maybe you might be, get off, be able to get off that medicine. Listen, don't, don't, I'm not that guy. But we have a problem that needs to be addressed. And it already has. But see, the problem is we get so caught up in our traditions of Christmas that we forget that the gift that was given has already addressed the problems of this world. And so we need to take a look this year. And so today we're going to tackle loneliness. We're going to tackle loneliness. You know, um, I don't know about you, but uh, when I was taking down banners this week, I looked in this room and I thought, man, it's empty. It's empty. And you know, we, we, we have a lot of Christmas decorations that are still upstairs. But Pastor Julie and I this year, we said, no, 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 no. This, this year is about going simple because the reality is so many of us are going to have a simple Christmas anyway. So we need to understand that it's not about a tree. 
that it's not about a nativity even, but it's about a Savior who was born into this world. The single, the single candle represents a single light that was born on that first Christmas evening. And as we, as we think about all of these different things in regards to our life, we recognize that there are circumstances that we face that evoke emotion. Right? There are circumstances that we face that evoke emotion. So I took the banners down and I looked at this room and I thought, man, it looks empty. It feels like somebody's moving out. Anybody know that feeling, what I'm talking about? Like, I remember one time my office, I'm, I'm a clean guy. Um, but if I get into a rhythm of a lot of things outside of my office, my office gets trashed. Um, so like if my office is trashed, it means, it means I'm not working in my office because if I'm working in my office, it's trash. I mean, it's, it, if I'm working in my office, it's clean. Okay. So if you ever walked in my office when I was doing a facility project, there are papers everywhere. There are books everywhere. There are shoes everywhere, clothes everywhere. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, leading up to the business meeting, I had a lot of different things. I was moving all over the place, so there's papers piled on my desk. And, you know, obviously we had Christmas coming. We had all these other things. I haven't been in my office enough. I've been down here. I've been all over the place. that I haven't cleaned it yet. And so there's this emotion, though, that, you know, man, it feels empty. It feels like we're moving. I'm not moving. Don't worry. But, like, there's this emotion that, that is evoked within us. And, you know, one of the things I have to do before we move forward is I have to under, help you understand that there is a difference between being alone, okay, which is a state of being, and feeling lonely, which is an emotional response, okay? There is a difference between being alone and feeling lonely, okay? Uh, here's the deal. I can be up here all by myself being in a room full of people and feel lonely. Even though I'm full, I'm in a room full of people. I can also be in this room all by myself and feel like I am in the presence of God and I'm not lonely at all. And, you know, what we have to understand is we have to separate our circumstance from our emotional response because the reality is, we're going to be alone in life. We're going to be alone in life. But loneliness is an emotion that has to be addressed. It has to be. In fact, being alone is a good thing, right? It is. Jesus did what? He withdrew to be alone. Now, too much of being alone is a bad thing. Hence, God said, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm going to make you a helpmate. I'm going to put someone on this earth to be with you because you shouldn't be alone all the time. So it's both. But loneliness is the emotion that we're addressing today. How many of you have ever felt lonely in your life? How many of you have ever felt lonely in the last month? How many of you have ever felt lonely in the last year? If, if nobody, like, you're, everybody's hand should be raised at this point. Everybody feels lonely at some point. You know, with the, one of the things we have to understand is that well, I'm not going to get into that yet. So Christmas in 2020 is going to look different. 
Okay, it's going to look different, and then because of that, it has the opportunity to evoke different emotions. You know, in pre-service prayer, I talked about the traditions of my family, and you know, I remember the first few years that I was no longer able to go to the Taylor family Christmas dinner that happened at the f- on the first Saturday night of December. Every year, we would gather as a family. We would all dress up. We would read Luke 2. We would exchange little gifts. I mean, we did it by candlelight in the dark. It was an amazing time, and then I moved to Ohio, and guess what? I'm not going to the Taylor family Christmas dinner anymore. You see, all my, my family all grew up within 20 minutes of each other. All of us. All my cousins. So we always had time together. Every month we would gather for birthdays. And then I moved away. And so what ends up happening is I get to specific holidays. And in the beginning, I would have to address the emotions that would happen. There's one, like one holiday that above all else in regards to traditions for me, which is Thanksgiving. This might sound weird, but I love Thanksgiving. I loved what it was because there was not a lot of tradition behind it. There were not a lot of expectations. It was go, eat, spend time with your family, and just enjoy being together. And football. And so, you know, with all these things taking place, so every, every Thanksgiving, I still go out for Thanksgiving. Like, I make a big turkey. I don't care how many people are in my house. I make a big turkey because I'm like, no, this is Thanksgiving, and I will eat turkey for the next six days if I have to because this, might, this is my holiday. All right? But Christmas, Christmas is going to look different. So we have been given an opportunity to now say, okay, There are going to be emotions that well up within me, so I have the opportunity to push the reset button on how I look at Christmas. Because the the reality is we, we get so caught up in our traditions, as I said before, we get so caught up in what we always do that even though we say Jesus is the reason for the season, we don't actually live it out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we don't live it out because I know people who are of this world who go, man, I just love Christmas caroling. I'm telling you, it's a thing. They love it. They love gathering together in town. Those are not just all Christians that gather for down-home Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is a time that everybody loves to celebrate. So what makes us different? What actually makes us different? It's not going to be our traditions. Mm, All right, here we go. You know, even the world, let's just, even the world, even the, oh, you know, there's a reason there is a term Christer or C and E Christian. In case you don't know, that means people who go to church on Christmas and Easter. Christer, C and E, Christmas and Easter. Okay? There are, there are people who do this. Why? Because it's your tradition. So what makes us different? Are we focusing truly on Jesus and the gift that he is at Christmas time? Or do, we rele- or do we just relegate him to Sunday mornings? Do we say, all right, well, I checked off my box. I went to Christmas Eve service and made it about Jesus. But now I'm going to go home and I'm going to wrap presents for the next two hours and I'm just going to dread it. <sighs> Guys, we got it wrong. Listen, if there's not joy in making a Christmas meal, it's not about Jesus. If there's not joy in wrapping presents, it's not about Jesus. If there's not, it's not about Jesus. And so we say Jesus is the reason for the season, but are, are our traditions lining up with what we actually believe? Do we get so bogged down with our engagements, with our appointments, with our meetings, with our gift giving, that we miss the point of it all together? 
You know, maybe maybe you are the person who may you listen, you come you you hear what I'm saying right now and you're like, Pastor, I'm with you. I can't stand it. I can't stand all the things I have to do every Christmas and I'm just looking forward to one where I can just take a breath. I mean, listen, there's a whole book about it. There's a whole movie about it. Christmas with the Cranks is about a couple who say, I'm going to skip Christmas. It's a thing, right? Okay, so maybe you're that person, but maybe you're the person right now who you go, Pastor, you've lost your mind. I love it. I love it. I love getting bogged down with all these things. I love the thrill of shopping for all this. I love being around all these people. I lo- Listen, first of all, you're nuts. But second of all, listen, whether you love it or you hate it, the question is not, what are you doing? It's how are we doing it? It's our motivation behind who we are. So today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And for those of you who are like, I have my Bibles, thank you. Congratulations, you did your job. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. For those of you who are like, I don't have my Bible, it is on the screen today. If you're online, it is on the screen today. You are welcome. It took me 20 minutes to figure it out, but I got it. All right, so Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. All right. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do, I lost my spot. How in the world? (laughs) Joseph. Oh, there's, do not, was the last line. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. All right, before I jump into it, for all my former Catholics in the room or online, Jesus was born of a virgin, and then that woman was no longer a virgin after she had that baby. It says right there, and actually, if you read in the NLT, it says, Joseph did not have sexual relations with Mary until after he had given, after she had given birth to Jesus. All right, the perpetual virginity of Mary is not a thing. All right, moving on. I just had to say it. Mary is still honored and celebrated, though, for who she is and what she did. I mean, she carried the Savior of the world. God looked upon her and showed her grace, and she should be celebrated. But, anyway... Moving on. Our main point is this. In John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus, Jesus himself was the first Christmas present. It wasn't the three wise men, the three kings, however you want to say it, that gave the gifts. The gift was Jesus Christ. He gave his son not only on a cross, but he gave his son in a manger. He was born of the people. He was not born in a palace. He was not born in a hospital. He was born in a stable. He was put in a manger. All right, this is a very, very big deal because our Savior did not come for the elite. He came for the people. The Son of God, the Savior of the world, 
was not, did not grow up in a place of prosperity. He grew up in Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? This is Jesus. He, he spent time in Egypt. But the reality is the importance of Jesus coming to this earth is this. God was no longer separate from the world. But what does the scripture say? He was Emmanuel, God with us. God came to us and he humbled himself to do this. You understand, he is, he is God, he is holy, he is righteous, he is perfect, and he came to this sin-filled, messed-up world. Why? Because we couldn't go to him. I don't care what car you drive, I don't know what your thought life is, I don't care what it is, I don't care how much good you do, there is nothing you could have done to be in relationship with Jesus. There's nothing you could have done to make it to the Father. There's nothing you could have done to make it to heaven. If not for Jesus coming to us, we have no opportunity to go to him. God came to the earth in the form of a baby to address our separation from him. So Christmas time, what do we celebrate? We celebrate a step. We celebrate a bridge. We celebrate a way where there was no way, where there was no bridge, where there was no opportunity. Because again, there's nothing you could have done. You aren't perfect. You never would be perfect. And because of that imperfection, you could never be in relationship with perfect. But God said, no, 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 I love them. I have a plan for them. And though they messed up, I'm going to take the step. I'm going to bridge the gap. I'm going to make a way where there was no way. And that is what Christmas is all about. It's not just about a baby. It's about a God who took a step towards me so that I could take many steps towards him because I had no opportunity for a relationship with God if not for Jesus. If you go back to Genesis, God walks in the garden with Adam. He walks in the garden. He's, he's with him. And now Jesus walks again with the people. He's God with us. How valuable, how valuable is a relationship with God? And I'm not talking about knowing God. I'm not talking about knowing of God. I'm talking about a relationship with God. I'm talking about a relationship that actually communicates back and forth, right? I know a lot of people. I don't have a relationship with a lot of people. I know a lot of people. I mean, I can go on my Facebook and just point to a lot of people I've never talked to in my entire life. I mean, I walk this town, okay? I know a lot of faces. I know who they are. I know where you work. But I don't have a relationship with you. But all too often, we think our relationship with Jesus is just knowing who he is and knowing of who he is. That's not a relationship. That's just knowing somebody. No, a relationship is walking out with. So God is Emmanuel, God with us. He came beside us and said, listen, you couldn't come to me. You couldn't be with me. So I'm going to choose to be with you. <clears throat> You know, when we talk about loneliness, again, there's a difference between being alone 
and feeling lonely. And loneliness can do one of two things in your life, right? Some of you are like, where are you going with this, Pastor? I felt, I felt lonely a lot of times, and it never really pushes me to a good place. You see, when I'm lonely, I've responded one of two ways in all of my life's history. I either feel lonely, and I walk down that dark path of loneliness. And I go, man, I just don't have enough friends right now. Man, I just wish I had somebody beside me. And now here's the deal. Um, <laughs> I say this. If you've ever been married, you know you can feel lonely even in a marriage. Even in a healthy marriage. My wife and I have a healthy marriage. That doesn't mean we feel lonely. In fact, the way I describe it is we've been made one under God. And so we are lonely together <laughs> and separate, right? So when, we, when I feel lonely, I have the opportunity to walk down a dark path where I just let that feeling of loneliness consume me. And what ends up happening is I normally make foolish decisions in that feeling, right? So, you know, a lot of times in our feelings of loneliness, I'm going to get real, real here today, okay? I'm going to get real. A lot of times when we feel lonely, we're drawn in one of two ways, but because there, we have an enemy who's pushing us and tempting us, that loneliness says, I need to be fulfilled in some way, so it pushes us towards pornography. It pushes us towards fantasizing, right? Now, you know, this is, this is where, you know, it's, it's interesting because men and women, you know, debate this, which, by the way, women have almost at this point as much of a problem with pornography as men do. Um, but pornography, man, I, don't, I don't know why I'm addressing this today because, but I just am. This is just what it is. So it pushes us this way, but fantasizing is just as bad. And by when I say fantasizing, I mean things like, man, I just, I wish I had a husband who treated me like that Hallmark movie does. <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing. I don't know why we're laughing, right? I mean, right? I mean, I wish, I wish that I had someone in my life who was a friend to me like that sitcom, those, that sitcom of friends, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. I wish, I wish I had a group of friends like that. And it pushes us down this dark path of just hoping for something better than what is my life. Or, or we can recognize loneliness for what it is, which is just an emotion. It's not even based on your circumstances because, again, you can be surrounded by people and feel lonely. So it's just an emotion that is evoked within me that I can go, I'm feeling lonely right now. But guess what? Because God came to this earth in the form of a baby, he is God with me, but also he sent his spirit to live within me. So I know I'm not alone right now. So maybe this loneliness emotion that I'm feeling should push me to prayer, should push me to the word, should push me to my fellow believers in Christ to say, listen, right now I'm feeling lonely. Can you just pray for me? Can you help me to understand that I'm not alone right now, that I'm not just lonely, but the presence of God is within me? Listen, loneliness can push us in one of two ways, but the reality is this year probably many of you will feel lonely. Push the reset button and say it's not about tradition. It's not about gathering. It's about a Savior who came to this earth because I couldn't come to him. So listen, when you are celebrating Christmas this year, when you are alone with your immediate family or gathering with a big family, I don't listen, that's just you. But here's the reality of it. It's not about anything but Jesus who came to be with us. 
Loneliness is loneliness is overwhelming. It is so overwhelming that it's always going to push you in one of two ways. Nobody just nobody just feels lonely and goes, "Oh, this is this is an interesting emotion." No, you always respond to loneliness. You always respond to loneliness. Just respond the way that honors God. Jesus withdrew from crowds often. He, he withdrew from the disciples to be alone, and he was never lonely because the presence of his Father was always with him. This Christmas, when you feel alone, don't run towards darkness, but run to the single light that shines in that darkness. Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb that was slain, understand that you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk towards that light. The Holy Spirit lives within you, so you don't have to walk down that dark path, but instead Instead, he empowers you to say, that is a temptation that I recognize and I see, and I'm going to turn to prayer. I'm going to turn to the word. I'm going to turn to Jesus because Jesus came to me. Now I have the opportunity to go after him. Father God gave his son, Jesus. Jesus gave his spirit. And so now we're not only living a world. I shouldn't say only because it's no longer that state. It's not God with us. It's God within us. Not I, but Christ in me. So now we have the opportunity to take steps. We have the opportunity to pray. We have the opportunity to make a difference. So this Christmas, worship team, you guys can come up. This Christmas, what we celebrate is that we don't have to feel lonely in a way that pushes us into darkness, but we have to address loneliness for what it is, an emotion and an opportunity to say, you know what, I may feel lonely right now, but I don't have to be lonely because I'm not alone. Understand that. I'm going to say it one more time. You're going to feel lonely at times this Christmas season. It's just going to happen. Christmas in 2020 is going to look different. So how are we going to respond? I'm telling you, run to Jesus. Believe that his spirit resides within you. This, this, uh, this morning as we close, we're going to close with a simple song. And the way we're going to address this is, this is a song of declaration. Because God came to us, now we can come to God. So as we sing, oh, come let us adore him. My encouragement to you is sing it with everything that you are because Christmas is about the fact that we can come at all. We couldn't come without Jesus. We couldn't come without Christmas. There was no way. There was no opportunity. There was no thought. There was no good work. It was Jesus and Jesus alone.